Oh, hey there, folks. The Midnight Owl is back. This week, I'm joined once again by Kat. This time, she's brought a few of her friends along, Helen and Logan. This was a great conversation, but fair warning, there is some audio issues, but what can you do? It's over Skype. Lockdown and all. Just in case it comes in low, I wanted to give uh, their information up front, and then I'll also put it into the show notes. So... If you want to find Logan, you have to go onto Facebook, look up Logan Reiki, R-E-I-K-I, or Helen Letourneau, H-E-L-E-N-E, and then Letourneau, L-E-T-O-U-R-N-E-A-U, at Mesotherapy, M-A-S-S-O-T-H-E-R-A-P-I-E. You can also look up Helen if you want a tarot reading of your own at hlrmt.youcanbook.me. It'll be in the show notes as well, but I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Have a good one. Hoot hoot. Yeah, because you were telling me about Reiki, right? Yeah. I'm still so guys, kind like, of what new is to all that. I don't have like a big idea of what that is. All right. So you want to know what Reiki is, basically? Can you hear me properly, Tim? Absolutely. Awesome. And I apologize for um, all the technical difficulties that's going on with this. I know I run a really professional podcast. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Like when we moved in, a beaver landed a tree on our satellite dish. And after stories like that, technical problems are not a big deal. Canadian problem. Yeah, Angered Mother Nature, so the beavers came for you. Um, to answer your question about Reiki, I think like any person that does Reiki or energy work will tell you a different thing. But it, it should all circle around the same thing, because we're all... In my opinion, we're all made of energy, and everything around mm-hmm. us is also energy. So a basic example of that is we're all able to feel it. Like, you know when somebody is staring at you, the first thing you do when you hurt yourself is you'll put your hands on it to try to, like, make it feel better. Yeah. And that's instinctively have that inside of us. Um, I, with I think the closest I could, like, say that is like sometimes I'll get a really bad vibe off somebody in the first two or three minutes of meeting them. Like I, I don't judge anybody by the way they dress. Like I have punk friends, I have professional friends, but like in the first three seconds, you can tell if someone is off or dangerous or not to be, to be around. Like you can, that's where my instincts kind of kick in. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to go in this direction. I'll go in the opposite one. Yeah, well, there you go. Like choosing a path when you get home, or deciding on what you do based on how it feels to you, right? Uh, so Reiki work does that like realign you so that you could put your energy into different area? Could you do it with intention, like you want to be a little more po- prosperous, or is it just like more in the direction of like wellness? Um. I think, well, you can definitely have intentions when you do Reiki treatment. The idea of Reiki is not so much to realign your energies, to clear the blockages that you have. So I work from the premise that we have physical ailments, emotional ailments, to me they're connected together. 
So you can feel sadness for something, and then you'll feel that in your legs. And it blocks the energy flow in your body. So what I do is basically work on unblocking, raising awareness as to the emotional component of the ailment, and trying to work from there. So I kind of incorporate talk therapy into the Reiki treatments. Not everybody does that. I don't do that with everyone, but that's how I prefer to work. That's um, amazing. But you yeah. definitely set an intention at the beginning of a treatment. Like for some people, if I feel right from the beginning that they feel lonely, well, I'm going to set an intention of making them feel loved and having them have that kind of energy around them after treatment. Wow. Well, and Lincoln has education in can I, like yeah. psychotherapy, right? So adding talk or conversation to the Reiki treatment you know, it's kind of like a, like a bonus, really, in addition to the energy work is having that component where there can be conversation and there is, you know, someone who is trained in, I, I don't even know how would you, like you, you speak about what, well, what exactly your education. Well, I have a certificate in psychology and I'm doing um, a bachelor's in psychoeducation. So I do, I don't, like I'm still at the beginning of it, so I, I can't say that I'm a psychotherapist in any form. Yeah. A legal but on your way to it, you are on your way to it. And if I can butt in here um, and talk about, so Logan did a Reiki treatment for me in November. And that that was the first time for me. So I was like, okay, this is all like, you know, foreign, but at least it's some, oh, me, 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 me. This one's chewing on the cable. <laughs> Sorry, we got a cat chewing on a computer cable. Um, so that was m- my first apart from just having Googled and then like a little bit of conversation with Logan to have an idea of like, okay, what, what is this? I thought that's neat, but not really knowing what to expect. Um, so, you know, you go in the room, you get, you know, as comfortable as you can be when you're doing something that's new and unfamiliar. Uh, so laid on the, out on the table and it's just light touch, like minimal amount of pressure as he worked his way down the, down the body um, but for me, the really neat moment where, like, it clicked and actually I got, like, an emotional response out of it is when he mm-hmm. reached my knee, my left knee specifically, and, like, Tim, I think I've already told you this shameful story at Sister Palooza, which is, like, a family gathering um, in oh, September. Oh, is this where you took out the entire table of food? <laughs> yes! Yes! So I got, like, obliterated. And then it started to rain, and then, like, I'm not sure why my fat ass was running on a deck in the rain, but I was, and I slid, like, straight into slash under the um, hors d'oeuvre table. Um, It was quite the scene, and my knees were in excruciating (laughs) pain for, like, a solid month plus after that event. So... I don't think I had told, I'm pretty sure we determined I had not told you about that because firstly, like, it's embarrassing and like, it's not like, it's not something you call your friends up to be like, hey, I was, yeah, I was so trashed at a family function that I took out the snack table and busted up my, my knees, right? So like, this wasn't a story I'd shared, but Logan gets to that, the one knee that, that took like the brunt of the, the fall, the collapse, you know, of this, almighty empire in a rainstorm and uh was like oh what what's up with this knee and i was like why <laughs> you know just like kind of ashamed but like 
why? What do you mean? What's up with this knee? Mm. And there was like, I mean, you can explain like why, like, I don't know what tipped you off, but like something. I'm just trying to get the cat to stop chewing the laptop. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll I think I should put the cat away. No, it's because it's got the Velcro. Yeah, but yeah, know, but about the knee. Well, I, I, I can't even explain it, but like when I put my hands on people, I can feel either energy flowing, either not flowing, or either like there's some kind of resistance and it. It's hard to explain because it's a very similar feeling, but usually if the part of the body requires a lot of attention, I'll feel a lot of heat in my hands. If there's an energy blockage, I'll feel one hand will be cold, one hand will be warm. Yeah. Feel like there's no... In, in Kat's case for the knee, then it just felt like there was a lot of resistance in that space. Like, I put my hands there and, like, right away I could tell, like, oh, this requires attention. And it was just very... Intense. I think my what I actually asked is like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, and for me, so first there was the like, oh my god. Firstly, I'm like mystified, like you powerful sorcerer. You know, you've detected a weakness. Um, you know, there's something to this. But then I had this like overwhelming experience. I ended up crying. I don't know. At first, I was like, oh, because I'm so ashamed of like how this knee came to be. You know, the center of conversation yeah. right now. But um, but I think it was actually, like, I don't even know. I guess whatever energy work was happening in that moment, like, it really did, like, evoke an emotional response. So, uh, I mean, that was... Out of curiosity, Logan, is there a difference between the the physical energy and the emotional energy that you would feel? Like, as you're working on someone, if you mentioned, like, if someone was feeling lonely or down or if there was, like, a, a pain or something like that, a physical ailment. Is there a, a different feeling towards that, or is it, uh, or is everything energy? <laughs> <laughs> um, usually, when I put my hands on somebody, I will. It'll be like a sentence popping in my head, almost like yeah. somebody with an OCD. Like that's a part of it, where it just repeats itself. Like, for instance, if I touch somebody and it's they're very very insecure, it'll be like insecurity, 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 like a bell yeah. in my head. And then I spend a few, like, seconds, if not a minute, trying to formulate it in a way that's not attacking the person and be like, oh, you're insecure, because people wouldn't react well to that. (laughs) So, like, that's, I guess, how I would describe it is if I touch someone and I feel like there's a lot of emotional trauma going on, I'll have something popping out of my head about the emotional or, or psychological aspect. If it's physical, then I feel it more with my hands. Sometimes, like, if, if it's anxiety, I will feel it in my hands, like, or I'll feel it through my body. Yeah. Because, like, a, a lot of time, it's hard to explain, but it, it kind of mirrors into me. So if I touch somebody's throat, let's say they have, like, throat chakra blockage, my throat's going to get tight. And I'll be like, well, you need to speak. <laughs> you need to express. You're holding on to a lot of things. Is, do you have to take breaks between sessions? Like, if you were to take on, you said, like, you would feel this. Is there a like an emotional exhaustion from helping someone else deal with their pain? Like you wouldn't go from person to person. You have to take a couple of days and kind of recharge or. No, I can see like four or five people a day. Um, I don't, I don't take it on. I used to take it on, but I don't take it on anymore. Like it's not mine. So my intention is set from the beginning is I'm not taking on anybody's shit. Forgive my language, but it's, 
it's their pain, it's their suffering, it's not mine. So between clients, I have like 15, 20 minutes to like reset the room and, and I use Palo Santo to kind of clear the space between people. So I can, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't really take it out. Yeah, that's, I, I find that with myself, uh, if I'm around, uh, how do I say this? I, I'm not empath- empathic by any means, but uh, I definitely feel the room and stuff like that. And if I'm in a emotionally draining situation, I can't be there for very long or I have to like take a couple days off because it's just way too much for me. But that's that's amazing that you can kind of put everything into a box and move on and continue to help people. Um, the difference, I think, Tim, it's sympathy versus empathy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use sympathy to fill... And they, they put themselves into your person's shoe, and that's where it becomes hard because you're feeling what everybody else is feeling. And that's where it takes a toll on you. But when you have empathy, it's like you're looking at a movie. You're not inside of the movie. Or you're not part of this situation. You're looking at it from the outside, so you don't have to feel what people are feeling. And that's much less tiring than literally putting yourself in your person's shoes. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you were talking about using psychotherapy, like you're on your way to your bachelor's. That's amazing. Congratulations. Um, uh, do you layer any, like, I'm sorry to keep asking all these weird questions, but like, so could, is like feng shui, that's the most familiar form of like energy realignment that I'm familiar with. Like, does someone, can they use that on top of everything else, like to continue or is it like, uh, how do I say this? I'm uh, like, is it one form of energy realignment doesn't mix with another or can you continue to add things on top of each other to to help yourself to move forward and feeling better? I know that was worded really weird, so it's hard to follow. <laughs> um, it's better to answer that question than I am, actually. Um, I think that's a really good question. and I think it really comes back to different people practicing energy work and their point of view um, and their experience with working with energy. Um, I know some practitioners, um, they don't mix other types of energy work with others because they feel as though it interferes with what they've done, which is fair, right? If they have a certain way of doing things or if they have a specific training. Um, Personally, I think that... um, I think energy all generally comes from the same place. You know, we're all um, energetic beings and we all kind of come from the same, (laughs) we all come from kind of the same source, I guess you can say. Um, I really think it's all about intention. So you're coming back to intention, right? So if you want to use feng shui and work with that, uh, if a Reiki practitioner, for example, wants to work with feng shui, I think that's really cool because I've never even heard of any Reiki people doing that. So that would be like an added element or how they could use that as an educational piece with clients. You know, maybe they'll notice a blockage uh, within their client and say, well, well, maybe they'll be able to attach it to their workspace, for example. Like with COVID, a lot of people are working from home. So maybe they'll kind of turn and be like, well, what's your workspace like? And how is how is that working for you? And how is that affecting your well-being? So I don't know if that answers the question, but. Absolutely. 
I think it just comes from a spot of like I'm I'm unfamiliar with this and like over the course of the last year having been doing the the old version of my podcast where I was learning about different beliefs and stuff like that I I was raised in a like we weren't we churchgoers or anything but like the Christian kind of framework and in that it was always you know you have one set of beliefs and like that was the way so I'm trying to let that go as I'm learning about different ideas and spiritualities and stuff like that, that, you know, it's it, no one just because you do Reiki or feng shui, it's not one set or and it's not necessarily a spiritual belief, but a not it's not a religious belief, but a spiritual one, I guess. Where did Kat go? I'm hurting cats. If I can give you an example, then, because energy, I think, is just one extra sense that we're not used to. But it's still there, and the more we open up to it, the more we'll understand it. But if you have um, a wound in your back, would mm-hmm. you go see a physicist, a massage therapist, and a chiropractor? Would you alternate types of medicines? Like, it really depends on what you think is working for you. Some practitioners will say, well, if you're seeing a chiro, physio, and massage therapist, you're overdoing it. Some other people will tell you, well, they're working on different parts of your body, and it kind of works together. So it, it, it's the same thing with energy work. Is I do Reiki. I know people who do TRAM. Inan um, does craniosacral therapy, which is a nervous system, but you kind of in- incorporate like energy lines into that. I yeah. believe. Can you explain what that is? Um Sure. <laughs> um, so I'll just kind of explain everything that I do just to get a bit of a sense. So I started my practice with massage therapy, um, and then I, working with my hands, started picking up on different kind of what Lobo was saying about different senses. So feeling different things, not just necessarily the skin or muscle fibers or um, the physical aspect. So that kind of broadened my um, I guess perspective on how to help people and kind of got me curious about well what are what are these things that I'm kind of feeling um, so then yeah I started getting into some Reiki as well and something called cranial sacral therapy um, and that's basically working with the nervous system um, so working within you know what is the brain sitting in so the synovial fluid um, the skull and then the rest of the spinal cord um, yeah. so obviously that's working Physically, but there's a lot of, when you think of the nervous system, you think of it kind of like an, an electric system, a very lively, um, something that changes very rapidly, right? For example, when we have, you know, nerve pain, it's very electric, it's burning. Um, so it's it has a different character than, let's say, muscle. Um, so there is a lot of um, connection between you know, energy with that, right? For example, what Logan was saying, when you hurt yourself, you put your hand right away on the wound because you want the charge of the healthy tissue to kind of go into the wounded tissue to bring it back up to that that level of, of wellness, if that makes sense. Uh, you guys uh, seem very educated and incorporating a lot of, like, science into what you're doing and, like, the it, it's not uh, uh, like robes and candles sorcery. and something mystic <laughs> and sorcery. It's no poultices. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. 
Yeah, mm. it's very cool what these two are up to. And they do have an online presence. Um, so the Santo. Palo Santo. Palo Santo. Um, online. Can, I'm just going to get them to, like, give you all their tags, their, like, online, etc. Perfect. If you're able to cut me screaming at you and maybe just piece, <laughs> piece that part in. Um <laughs> Cause, like, if I can take a side note that you're probably going to have to cut out here, um, but Tim, for a second. So, like, when we had talked about energy, we talked about, like, what can they speak about? So, the Reiki was a big one. The cranio piece was a big one. I can't say the whole word. I apologize. But I, I knew can't. Cool. Yeah, that. Um, we're a couple things. Um, so, yeah, cut it, probably cutting all of this out. Um, but they do no, have an online presence. It's a bug, yeah. Oh, God, no. I'm always the butt of everything, and the worst thing is it always comes out my own mouth. You know what I mean? Like, I put myself in this position. Um, I would yeah, not be so harsh on you. You've been the highlight of the last two episodes. You were wonderful. I, it's been a pleasure. It's been something to do <laughs> in my in the midst of my unemployment and nothing else to do. Um, no, I enjoy it. You know that. But so the, as far as the Reiki, the cranio services, um, RMT work, and the Palo Santo, <laughs> which are wooden sticks. That's the way I think of them, which is why I'm awful for remembering the actual name. Do you want to actually, can you just say like what the, what that's about, what those do? Palo Santo sticks. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much wooden incense sticks, uh, kind of like sage that's used mm-hmm. to clear a space and... Uh, what I find, anyways, with Palo Santo is you burn it for like 30 seconds and like incense the room you're in. Smudge. Smudge, thank you. Um, for me, it calms me right down. So it, it's like automatically I feel more grounded. I feel calmer. If I was feeling anxious, it's like calming me down. Kind of like a joint, but without the buzzing effect. <laughs> you know, it's like this thing. I'm slightly familiar with, uh, well, I'm very familiar with joints, but uh, smudging. <laughs> I was like, uh, let's be real. <laughs> I'm Métis, but I haven't uh, I haven't learned that much about how that uh, incorporates or anything. But uh, did you guys go over to Cat's place to get a ghost out? Was Logan and Helen the ones that came to rescue you? So we we haven't done that in my new space, but so in my sister and brother-in-law's home supposedly there is the spirit of the, and I mean, supposedly I think it's largely like I'm definitely fueling that because I hear things at night and some of it I've been able to piece out as like the water heater or the furnace, but there's definitely like other noises, like the banging on the opposite side of the wall, opposite side of the wall where there is nothing on the opposite side of the wall, but an empty room. Um, like I've not mm-hmm. exactly sorted out what that. Um, but yeah, so my new space, no, they were supposed to come, Smudge, that hasn't happened yet. I'm kind of just living with Gus. Gus is the name of the old German fella. We haven't been invited over yet. Well, I'm right now we're quarantining. Oh, you! I was gonna say you came in the pool, but that's true. That's before I moved. I don't know if it's safe Uh, to start naming your spirits. But I know. I think I know who it is. Why not? I mean, I I think when I call him by name, it makes me feel more comfortable because I'd rather believe that it's the elderly old man who lived his, who built the house, lived his whole life there, and passed away peacefully. That's the story I tell myself. I'd rather that than wonder who's on the other side of the wall. Like yeah, I can deal enough. with the older gentleman. Can I interject here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
What's wrong with ghosts? The feisty ones. But they're still, they're energy. They are energy, but I always worry that there's there's something more. If it wasn't from this world or an adjacent one, is it malicious? And acknowledging it doesn't give it power. This comes from a point of ignorance because I'm not really sure. I'm just always cautious with that because I don't like anything being attached to me. And uh, I've had to deal with that in the past where it's just like the activity. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm with you no though they're over here like, what's wrong with energy and i'm like no i'm 100 percent with you i don't want something to follow me i'm like i just call it by name because i'm more comfortable with that thing is an elderly old man who's just like attached to his home then it's some demon you know who's plaguing me i'm with you like i i don't go out of my way to acknowledge him i don't address him when i come home like oh hey guys you have a good day? You know, I've been out grocery shopping because that's all I do on account of I have no job to go to or anything else going on. You know, like, I don't, like, encourage him, I don't think. But when I hear something, I feel like, Gus, if you could just if you could just stop because I'm trying to sleep. I don't know. That just feels better that's than, like, hey, demon next door, could you thrash against the wall a little gentler? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I remain still agnostic, but, like, I remember there was a point, like, for a year and a half, I was living at this one place, and I had neck pain, and there was, like, a hallway that I was kind of afraid of, so I, like, never put anything in the closet. <laughs> like, I just avoided it, and I'm like, well, it might be a ghost, or I might be sleeping on the couch too often. I don't know. Probably a ghost. <laughs> Probably a ghost. Yeah. Sorry, we have a oh, sorry, we've got... A little one up chucking. Oh no! Sorry about that. Not a problem. I hugged her real hard earlier. Her babies come first. So, I I'm gonna tell a story while and then it's cleaning the pew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch her and listen. <laughs> That's the best excuse I've ever heard to not uh, clean up puke. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to do a podcast right now. <laughs> Um, I never really connected with spirits until I met Kat. Like, is it fucking almost 10 years ago? Like a decade. Something like that. Yeah. And we used to live in this place, and, and I can say that's, like, the worst experiences I've had, and that's why, like, I understand why you're afraid of spirits. But why I am remember, I? Yeah. What, yeah. What is this, the townhouse? Wood, yeah. Yeah. You are a fucking portal. Oh, right? and like we, I was in place. <laughs> I don't tell this story openly. <laughs> it's spooky. Okay. Is it okay if I go? Ahead? Oh yeah, go for it. I like, just that was like my I... first experiences that made me realize that I could connect with stuff. But I remember sleeping like we had set up the basement in a way that like the bed was in a nook. It was a big living room. Yeah. And, like there's a few nights in a row where the radio went off, like making snow sounds at like exactly the same. White time. noise. White noise at 3 a.m. Yeah, That's super comforting. Ooh. Like a lullaby. <laughs> and one night, like, sleeping, and I open my eyes because I feel a presence, and there's this blonde girl leading over me. And I just open my eyes, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, my God, that's frightening. Well, I, that I was talking about the astral projection one. That's my next story. Oh, go ahead. So this other night, like, we're... We're both sleeping in different rooms. I think you're on I the couch. Thought, I was asleep downstairs. on the couch. Yeah, you were downstairs. And, like, 
I, as far as I remember, both vividly remember I went up to ask her if she was coming to bed. Mm-hmm. But neither of us moved. Oh, yeah, wow. and I was like, yeah, and then I went, I remember going down the stairs, and like, I don't know if I grabbed the door handle, or like, I went to walk through the doorway into the into the room, like into the basement, right, so I got up from the couch, walked through the living room, down the stairs, to walk through the doorway, and then like, I blinked, and I'm back on the couch. I didn't get up, I didn't walk down the stairs, I didn't, you know what I mean? So it's just Jeez. this like, um... You saw me, you like, you saw me get up and, and come down there, and you know what I mean? It was this weird, like, out of body. Anyways, obviously you embraced it, and I'm, like, straight far from all of this. It spooks the shit out of me. But I love, really, really I love that you guys do this stuff, but. Mm-mm. But, like, my understanding of spirits, like, even though this was kind of spooky, and, like, there's more stories that involve cats. Well, that had followed me. Whatever that was there had followed me for. At least four years prior. I think you remember telling me, you, you told me a story about in Ottawa, one of the places you were living, and uh, it was like opening windows and throwing laptops. Kind of vaguely remember that one? Yeah, so folks, don't play with Ouija boards. Because, yeah, what happened was I'd moved into an apartment with my partner at the time, and there was. Like, from the time that we moved in there, we had a cat, right? And the cat would chase after something down the hall. But as if someone was, like, as if it was a person. Like, she would interact as if she was interacting with one of us. Um, it it got to the point where, like, I literally called the landlord one day and was like, I don't know what's up with this place, but, like, I was at the point where it was driving me so crazy that I didn't even care if the landlord thought I was crazy. So called yeah. and was like, I don't know what's up with this apartment but like there's something in here like I really like how do you ask your landlord can you please have the place like call in an exterminator but for ghosts like who are you gonna call ghostbusters I'm like no I'm gonna call the landlord and be like the place is haunted can I get my deposit back I want out right and he was like well you know explains that there was an elderly couple and they had lived there for like years and years and years and years this is an old building and mm-hmm. both of them had passed away in the apartment at different times, but like only a few months apart. And Spricer was their last name. Like, I hope the family's cool with me sharing that. I did. I, I tracked the grandson down on Facebook, actually, mm-hmm. and was like, you come make your grandparents leave. Because seriously, like your grandma's cooking cabbage in the middle of the night. The whole <laughs> apartment would just smell like cabbage. And I thought it was the neighbors. Like I even checked with a few neighbors, like the ones directly above us. I went up and asked them, like, are you making like cabbage in the middle of the night? And this was like, I guess they were Polish, an old Polish couple anyways. Um, so when I got in touch with the... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, How did the neighbors react upstairs when you were like, hey, can you knock off the fucking 4 a.m. cabbage? <laughs> yeah, they just denied that it was them. I'm like, either you're lying to me, or there are ghosts making meals in my kitchen during the night, and I don't know who I believe more. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, that was that, and I got impatient and was like, we're getting rid of this. So, obviously, the solution is a Ouija board, and we had a couple friends uh-huh. over and made a real mess of it because after that night, there was definitely more than Mr. and Mrs. Spricea in that apartment. Um, like something would, I, I would close my bedroom door at night because you'd hear things all throughout the apartment. It was 
like, extremely uncomfortable. Like, I was frightened, for sure. I was terrified. Couldn't break the lease. I'm like, okay, like, it's just, you only have to be here at nighttime. At the time I was in university, I'm like, I'm at school on campus most of the day at this point, so I just need to be able to sleep here, really. And so I closed my bedroom door at night, and I would shove, like, I had this doorstop, this big, heavy wooden doorstop my grandpa had made. I would ram that against the door as well as a bunch of other stuff, and it never mattered what I put there. Like, at some point in the night, usually just as I was falling asleep, the door would come flying open, and everything I'd piled against the back of it tossed as if, like, some, like, muscle-bound monkey had just attacked the door. Like, it was terrifying. This thing really frightened me. And as soon as the school year was over, I left. We still had, like, the whole summer, I think probably three, four months left on the lease. But that's where I know it started, and then it followed me for several years, whatever, you know, Whatever this was that I, like, welcomed into my space and tormented. I mean, believe that or don't believe that, but maybe I was psychotic, but... Hey? Are you interested in a test? Next time you come over, leave us the Ouija board. See what happens. Yeah, I don't fuck with that thing. I have it. I took it to my parents' house to burn in their bonfire pit, and I tossed it on the pile. I should have just burned it, but I tossed it on the pile and was like, we were having... We were having, like, a big gathering. My sisters had a bunch of friends over. I had a couple, like, who we used to be friends, not so much now, but, like, hometown folk over. And we were just yeah. having, like, a big summer shindig. So I took that Ouija board and I put it on the pile and it was to be burned that night. And everything got burned except that Ouija board was lying on the lawn the next day. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I left it there, still on the burn pile. My sisters were still, like, finishing up high school, so they were full-time still living with my parents. Um, I went back up to Ottawa, obviously moved into a new place, um, where things continued to happen, but I'm pretty sure it was just an extension of what had already attached to me, and left the Ouija board there to be burned. The Ouija board made its way back into the house. I I mean, I'm assuming someone picked it up. I'm, I'm not saying that, like, the Ouija board itself walked itself into the house. Um, but to this day, is in my parents' house. I know where it is. It's in the closet downstairs. I won't go in that closet since I found that it was there. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to acknowledge it, especially like I lived the last year up till recently in my parents' basement. And like I would run by that closet every time at the mm. bottom of the stairs. So I don't know. Major detour here, but I'm not messing around with that. What what I originally had detoured for was for these two to be able to plug in their um, like online presence or social media oh. info. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if I can get to, to add that in, because there's still a couple things um, that we wanted to cover. So, Alain, if you're comfortable, has a few tarot decks with her. I only use Facebook, so to find me on Facebook, it's pretty easy. It's Logan Reiki, and Reiki is R-E-I-K-I. I can put myself in. So, yeah, I'm on Facebook as well. So it's just my name, Helen Letourneau, uh, Massotherapeute, because we're in Quebec and I wrote, like, in, in French. Um, then I have a website as well, which is under construction, but I'll still give it out. <laughs> so it's just my name, HelenLetourneau.ca. And uh, I also do tarot readings online. So um, if you find me on Facebook, you can get me in, in touch with me and I can pull cards for you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and if they wanted to book an appointment for Reiki, it's just anybody in the uh, Quebec, Ottawa area kind of thing? Oh, for now, but I'm taking a course in a few weeks that will enable me to do um, 
remote Reiki, so online, over the phone, or however modalities that people are comfortable with. And when I eventually can get a webcam, I will definitely jump on and take advantage of that because this sounds awesome. I don't think I need to see. Oh. I'll, I'll let you know, oh, but I think it, no, but I think it actually like it works over the phone even, so it doesn't even have to be like I can see you and you can see me. For the most part, anyways, when people are being treated, they're laying down and their eyes are closed. Yeah, if you're up for a, a reading, I'd love to have one. I'll do just do a little reading. Okay. Are you comfortable with hearing it? Yeah, do you want us to leave the room? No, everybody can stay. I'm okay with that. So don't tell him about his grandparents. Okay, I won't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just grabbing the cards. You should tell him about how you think. Oh. Because then it has like 10 or 12 decks of cards. Um, so basically, yeah, I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to cards. Um, I just kind of, um, I work a lot with being guided. Because um, again, since we're all made of energy, we all have, you know, I don't know, feel like we have a lot of um, like guidance around us, if that makes sense. So I just kind of ask my guides and kind of connect a little bit with the person's energy and say, you know, what, what deck are we going to use today or how are we going to, what is this reading going to look like kind of thing. So is the guidance like more like a, a spirit or is that just intuition kind of thing? Uh, good question. I'd say um, both. It really depends. Okay. Like I think that kind of what we were talking about, about um, different senses um, yeah. So I'm still kind of developing my sense when it comes to my intuition and um, obviously something that's not tactile, right? We can't touch it. We can't see it. It's um, it's not a human sense, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I'm kind of developing that always. I like what you just said. It's not a human sense. It's our like, supernatural sense. Yeah. I was doing a bit of uh, reading Chaos Magic, and they talked a lot about that, like how you could turn an intention into an actual thing that would follow you. If you needed like a spirit protector and stuff like that, you just, you form it. And over time, as you believe in it, you, you create it the more that you believe. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? When you think about, you know, even us and our human experience, how do we come up with yeah. things we think of it? Right. Manifest destiny. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing to me how much of all of this has been lifted by the Star Wars universe. Like, I'm actually have like a little bit of like, oh, I kind of get it because I've read all the books and everything, and like they turn it into their own thing. But they uh, they've been known for how they take in Eastern philosophies and stuff since the beginning, but and just put it into a different world. It was kind of cool. Well, we're not inventing anything, right? This stuff has always been there. Just we disconnected from it as a society because we're so consumed by capitalism and and just like self gratification, instant gratification. But if we disconnect from all of that and we go back to our roots, it's always been there. Mm -hmm. It's still there. It's just not the point of focus anymore. Well, and then like all the lessons that are being learned right now, as far as like going back towards like natural medicines, as far as 
There's nothing better than ayahuasca for getting somebody off of heroin. If you can put them in a room and help them clean up and stuff like that, like it, it I think the recidivism rate goes down to like 10%, if that. And they're off of like uh, hardcore opioids in a weekend. Apparently the experience yeah. is like horrific. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about what you want to do with it, right? What you want to, what, again, sounds like a broken record, but your intention of using it. So that's a great example. It's getting away from, like, we always say, like, medicine is a business in our culture. Right? Oh, yeah. And that's probably why natural products and natural alternatives are not as popular or pushed, because they take away from big pharma. corporations, yes. But now we're going into, like... So, Tim, I have your cards... I'm in the process Ooh. of trying to, to read them. <laughs> um, so I work with the tarot deck, and I also work with oracle cards. Um, so as being a student of life, I'm still learning that. <laughs> yeah. So just be patient with me. Um, so your first card is the Ace of Swords. So I don't know. If, can you see well? Uh, I can see you guys, but I can't see the cards. Okay, never mind. No, you, should, you can't see them because they're not but, there. But, oh, but, <laughs> it's, it's in your lap off camera. Right. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. So your first card is the Ace of Swords. Um, so basically there are four suits in the tarot deck. So we've got swords, which is about like the mental realm, both thinking ideas, uh, again, coming back to intention. So um, I don't know if you're someone who's very – much like in your head, if you process information internally, um, if you're someone maybe with a, I don't know if you're someone who, you know, struggles with a mental illness or has a lot of anxiety, um, but I can really see the way that your mind works. And I feel like you're learning how to work with your, with the way that you think and use it to your benefit. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, but that's what I'm getting from that card. It really does. I uh, I have been trying to figure out uh, how to how to go about my life and make the way that my brain works work for me over the last year or so. I'm still not quite there yet, but I've been playing with that. That's wow. Well, when you look at the card as well, so again, it's interesting how I kind of intuitively was trying to choose the cards. I don't know if you can see that wall, but. Um, her head is kind of represented by a staircase that's spiraling downwards. So it's like each okay. step that you take, you're getting closer um, and your, you know, self-mastery, I guess you could say, which is pretty cool. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the next card. So I, I drew an Oracle card with that one as well. So the next image is a fox. I don't know if a fox is a, animal that you resonate with or is significant to you at all? Talk about the foxes. I have well, a uh, really corgi. He fox? looks a lot like a fox. <laughs> um, so, fox yeah. Intelligence. Yeah, do you want to talk about the fox? Well, the fox is typically, it's intelligence, it's calculated, it's an animal that's very, well, sly. Thank you. I was looking for a word that was not negative, but Generally speaking, the fox gets what they want, and they know mm-hmm. how to get it. And that's what the fox. Clever, cunning, cunning. Oh, I'll take that. I mean, I want to go that way, but 
Well, I think this is just like a confirmation. Like, I think it's just kind of confirming that. I don't know if, again, what your relationship with or what your thoughts are about foxes, but it kind of comes back to you working with how your brain works and you're making it work for you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, you embrace that that aspect of you and you're making it work for you. Those cards are absolutely beautiful, by the way. The artwork? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's why I like using different cards because, um, like, I'll interpret a card. Like, when I pull cards for people, I kind of want it to be more of a conversation. I don't want it just me being like, oh, well, you're going to have, you know, ten babies in five years. Like, I don't think I'm telling the future. Like, I think that I'm just tapping into someone's energy and having a conversation about it. So making people, like, almost having a third, um, like, a third-person perspective. Yeah. Right? So you say a bird's eye view <laughs> on, you know, what's going on for them in their life right now as, you know, they're getting a reading kind of thing. Kind of the big picture ideas. Yeah. Do you want me to move on to the next card? Yeah. Actually, for the fox, I was wondering if, uh, like, my dog is very fox-like. He's a corgi, so he's got the the big ears and the same build. So I was <laughs> wondering if that... Uh, associates or is that just uh, a similarity it could be again this is your reading so I don't have all the answers if something comes to you during your reading that's for you and if you want to share it you can yeah if your dog's coming up that makes a lot of sense you know maybe your dog is like your best friend and you and he's really helped you right so oh that's cute I'm showing Obi yeah he's adorable those those glamour shots you sent (laughs) Of him looking so majestic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could also, so it's great that you mentioned your dog because he might be, sorry, is it a boy or a girl, your dog? A uh, boy. Um, so he might be a really um, key aspect to, you know, the first card that we drew about um, you coming to mastery over your, you know, mental way of being and existing in this world. I don't know if that resonates with mm-hmm. you, if he's really helped you on your mental health journey or, um, you know, kind of piecing things together. Maybe he's been a big aspect of that, if you're aware of it or not. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. I don't know if that resonates with you. He He's always kept me uh, kind of sane. Uh, I got him initially to help me start exercising and moving, and eh, ever since then he's always been a close companion that uh, – you know, on my worst day and best day, he's been there for seven years. Awesome. Great. Well, maybe that's why that card came up for you then. I think so. Next, next, <laughs> next card? Are you ready for your next card, Tim? Absolutely. So your next card is the Four of Wands. Sorry, Kat. My arm is moving. No, go for it. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Um, so obviously in the illustration, it's kind of showing off that there's like a party going on. Um, so four is a number of structure, basically, and wands is about fire. So usually this card indicates a new beginning. So the wands are like obviously like sticks, right? And they're, there's got like, they have like fire coming out yeah. on the top. And so it's kind of showing like a gateway 
Um, so it's almost as if you're stepping into a new chapter in your life. Um, and the fire kind of indicates passion or something that you're really excited about. You know, you're living in your, um, you're living out what you want to live out. So I don't know, maybe this even comes, I don't know you that well, but maybe that's even talking about these podcasts. Maybe you're getting a lot of inspiration doing these podcasts and it's really giving back to you. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm getting with this card. So new beginnings, you know, you're kind of doing something that resonates with you and you're not just doing something to do something. It, it does resonate because uh, the the original version of my show uh, was just to, to learn how to really do a podcast and stuff like that, but it wasn't something that I, I deeply cared about or thought that was going to be the end goal, but now that I'm getting to have conversations with people is really where I'd like to be going. And I, I've already gotten to do three or four episodes in the last month, which has been just so much, so much more fun and uh, a lot closer to the show that I want to make. That's really awesome. Love that. Um, so the card that you get with that, the Oracle card that you get with that is uh, loved ones in heaven. So hilarious that we're talking about spirit, right? There's no coincidences mm-hmm. in life, I don't think. But maybe, you know, with you tapping into something that really inspires you, it's opening you up to um, kind of being guided to, if that makes sense. You know, you're you're helping people through these podcasts, you know, and you're, you know, getting inspiration from, I don't know what you're, I don't want to say religious beliefs, but what you believe in, you know, what we can't see. If you're someone who thinks that you've got, you know, guides or things like that, but it looks like you're getting a lot of help um, from the other side. And it maybe you're aware of that or maybe you're not. So that's that's the last card that I have for you is um, Love Wins in Heaven. That's wonderful. It was about time they started promoting their damn weight. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that was wonderful. That's that's really, really cool. I can't wait to like go back and listen through again and, and think about all that stuff. That was that's really cool. I think that's I only mean, like my second reading. Can I make a comment? Yes. Um, going back to an episode, I feel like it was last, I feel like it was last winter, to be honest, maybe just at the end of last winter. Um, do you remember your episode about your grandma's story, like, right now? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. I do. I don't know why that made me, like, immediately, I was like, you know what? That, I feel like that episode was a passion piece when you read your grandmother's story. And that was a conversation. And and the next one, and you know my favorite episode is the Black Dog episode. Yeah. And that was the next time that you really, like, I feel like it wasn't, we weren't just hearing about cryptids and conspiracy, but we were actually getting, like, the Timmiest Tim, you know, like, like, like real life interaction with Tim. Black Dog, I feel like you really put it out there for us, but the, this, the one where you read your grandmother's story, I feel like, I don't know why this is just, me talking, because now that we're talking about loved ones, whatever. But I feel like yeah. now you coming like, to the point where your episodes are about conversations and interactions and, like, you know, much more people-focused than, like, a conspiracies and cryptids, which I thoroughly enjoyed. 
but just saying, like, now this direction that you're moving, I feel like where we first, like, felt that side of you or got a glimpse of you that way was, you know, when you're sharing your grandmother's stories. Yeah, it's much more along the lines of, like, trying to talk with somebody than at somebody. Yeah, well, like, the even, like, the personal, like, I don't know, again, like, on a total side note here, in my own, like, trying to prepare for what I aimed to in the new year, like, half the problem is figuring out how much of myself do I want to reveal. And that was a super revealing episode. And now here you are, like, full on, you're just having conversations as yourself, not reading, like, scripted material. Anyway, I don't know. That's my that's my two cents on that. I like it, Kat. Well, now I'll turn you over to Logan now so we can have some... I don't know, possibly uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> so it's still like in the vein of the self and self-care, self-love, self-expression, self-esteem, mm-hmm. a sense of self. Self-discovery. Self-discovery. <gasps> Can I ask you guys something? Yeah. You needed them to be back for asking us? No. You know when we talk about like you discover something, you just triggered something. You discover something, right? Yeah. You uncover something, right? Yeah. So you have a discovery, discovery but it's yeah. not an uncovery. I didn't. It's not important. You can cut it out, but like, I don't know. You said like self-discovery. I'm like, yeah, you're right, but we never have a self-uncovery. That makes. Who was talking? Your sister was talking about um, words. Right? Like, she had a book about, like, words and, like, the meaning really about, behind them. Was like, it the a dictionary? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, she took the word government. Or, uh, she was saying that it's to govern and to... Ma- govern ma- and to lie. In French, gouvernement. Uh, is gouvern, to govern. And to lie. Is to lie. So, so to govern and lie. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Wow. That's a dictionary for you. She's mocking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm following. I'm following. No, this is just Katrina. Being Katrina. <laughs> I'm willing to be. I'm. I'm ready to be asked weird questions. It's not all about. Do you want to do some sort of like why we're asking you weird questions? Sure. That's for you to say. Why are you guys asking me weird questions? So when we're talking about. I hadn't prepared, like, how to intro this here. So when we talk about, like, self-expression, self... Sorry, this is where we got off self-discovery. I'm like, you were totally on that track, and I think I interrupted you. Well, now it seems weird if I'm, like, talking about self-discovery. It's not my experience at all. Here's something I completely can't relate to, personally, but I support wholeheartedly. Well, I think maybe you can't relate, like, obviously, well, not obviously, people can't see me, but I'm transgendered. Um, assigned female at birth, transitioning into a man, or more masculine, thank you, identification. Um, I think most people can't relate to that, but most people can relate to not feeling well with themselves, having self, self-esteem issues, having a hard time figuring out who they really are. Self-acceptance. Thank you, self-acceptance is also a big struggle for people. Yeah, it might as well use something. <laughs> so I think, like, most people can't connect with what it is to, what it means to be transgendered, but it can connect with what it feels like to not feel like you belong in your body or, like, you have a solid sense of self. 
or like you yeah. can be who you want to be and not be judged or discriminated against. There's a reason we live in boxes. It's because it's safe, right? And yeah. most people are not necessarily comfortable when it comes time to step out of those boxes to be who they really are. So I think most people can somehow understand a little bit what it means to be transgender. It's like the pursuit of authenticity, really. I mean, I like that. Yeah, that's it. Like, how do I be true to me, you know? No, I'm on the pursuit of happiness. Okay. <laughs> but I just changed the lyrics for the sense of the podcast. The Jesus well, juice. We've been to the Jesus juice <laughs> over here. Well, that's something Kat, like, because Kat had brought this up as an opportunity that we could sit down and talk and it'd be an interesting conversation because I've never, I don't think I've ever spoken to someone that's openly trans. I'm sure I've met trans people throughout my life and just never knew or never questioned. But like, all I, I didn't really come up with anything. I couldn't think of anything because I was just like, well, you know, we're all human beings. And at the end of the day, we go through the same existential shit of, will I ever leave a legacy? Has my life have any kind of significance? Uh, are the bills going to get paid? It's all of like the dread and like crap that we have to get through on the way to being happy. But on top of that, you don't feel like you're in the right body. And that would fucking suck just to have that extra layer on top of it. <laughs> like, this is one more thing to have to, oh, to I can relate deal to with. an extra layer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not to make light of it. Um, one thing I'm going to go ahead and toss out just like to have the conversation we did mention yesterday is like, what is dead naming? Can we start with that? Like, what is dead naming? We can start with that. Yeah. yeah. I've been hearing about that. Pardon? I've been seeing that online, like for the, some of the Instagrams and like, there's been some like fighting and stuff like that with the, a couple of people I've, I've seen like, uh, cause the holidays were coming up. They were mentioning like, going home to family and they were getting dead named, but I'm not sure what that means. Well, dead naming is when you call somebody by the name they were given at birth. Okay. Although they changed their name since. So, it's basically... It's funny because we talked about that yesterday, Kat, and I had a big thought about it for myself. Like, why do we call it dead naming? Right? And I think a lot of people who transition let go of who they were and yeah. associate to you've become, and I can't relate to that completely, so I don't know if I would use dead naming to say people call me by my the name that I was given at birth, but the idea is that if, if you go through the, the process of transitioning, and you change your name, and you expect people to call you that way, and people continue to name you by your old name, yeah. It really sucks because it's like being denied that transition. Like people refuse to acknowledge it. And I read an example like the last few days that actually really resonated. If a woman gets married to a man and takes over his name, people usually don't have a hard time calling her by her new family name. Yeah. yeah. But when you're transitioning, people have a hard time calling you by your chosen name. What's the difference? It's it's transphobia. Is what it is. It's it's a form of not respecting the person who's telling you, this is not my name anymore. Why do you keep calling me like that? I wonder, like, even if I were to change my name from, like, Tim, and I'm going to say, my name's now Gary, 
I think most people would probably like there'd be initial like, oh, why are you changing name? Oh, I just well, I like this name more. After that initial reaction, and I explain it to people, it wouldn't really be questioned either for whatever reason. Like, it, I could see the the transphobia. Like, that's like, is it is it fear or is it like a sense of loss for that person to not wanna to to accept that there's a change taking place? Like, it just seems antagonistic and rude. I don't know, but that's from the outside. Well, I think it, it really depends how you see it. Like, in my case, for instance, my parents have a hard time calling me by my new name, although I came out almost a year ago, mm-hmm. mainly because their excuse is, we've been calling you so-and-so for 34 years. You can't change okay. it overnight. And on one part, I can understand that. But on the other end, maybe I'm not strong enough at, like, correcting them. And that's going to be one of my resolutions for the New Year's, to make sure that people identify me properly. Because I get a, a lot of he/she, old name, new name, and I don't yeah. like to take a stronger stance because people don't understand that it can be damaging, especially when you start to look like the person you're becoming. Like I know of some transgender men who there's no way you'd ever think they were ever a woman in any portion of their life. You still yeah. get that name. Think at that point you're doing it on purpose. Like this person has a beard. Like, they look nothing feminine. You know? I guess that's where the antagonism comes in. It's like, that seems, like, aggressive, like, as opposed to, oh, I slipped up, I'm sorry, like, mutual understanding, I'm going to grow. But when, like, someone would have a beard and you've known for a while to to continue to do that would be to try to evoke the old person in a way, I guess. I can understand the slipping, but, like, you adjust, right? Like, if you take the example... Elliot Page, well, that might take a while for people to stop using the old name, but it shouldn't take years. Like, it's Elliot, that's how they want to be called, that's it. Yeah. I'm adjusting to, this is like, something that I've had difficulty with is the pronouns. Um, I, and like, I don't want to say like, oh, I have no problem with it, like, it's whatever, it's just, I'm learning because it wasn't something that i was supposed exposed to when i was younger but the the they them um and there was another set for like not even and those but uh a lot of podcasts i listened to uh one in particular it's called the adventure zone and so what they do is they play dungeons and dragons it's three brothers and their dad but when they introduce a character they don't gender it usually they'll use like they or this person or stuff like that so it's just it's a weird language shift it's not not weird sorry that's the wrong word it's a different language shift that i'm becoming more used to and i'm seeing a lot more of that on uh social media where people are identifying their pronouns just so then it's easier to uh to converse and stuff like that but that's it's it's new and it's different to me just because i haven't been exposed to it but yeah, I, I don't understand why there's such a pushback, because it doesn't seem like anyone's demanding that you, you do that yourself. I think, like, I like the idea of people identifying their pronouns. Um, yeah. It does make it easier. I think it becomes still tricky if you don't resemble a stereotypical gender. And even if you announce your pronouns, people still 
are stuck in that mentality that women or feminine looks a certain way and masculine looks a certain way. And and I think that's like a, a subtle construct that's going to get broken down eventually. But I think that's where we are. Like, I remember the battle 20 years ago was about people being gay. And now it's, yeah. I think, our battle or our current struggle is gender norm and breaking it down because it was all constructed anyways. And I think there's a lot of value in de deconstructing it. Much like manly men and identifying men wearing dresses and skirts, like they can. Who decided that was reserved for women? You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's is, it is weird like when you, you're the the whole gender norms and stuff like that of like what's expected. I I think I broke free of that pretty young. It's just because of the nature of the situation. Like my dad had lost his leg in a farming accident. Uh, so he was the stay at home and my mom worked. And like, yeah, I just had a stay at home dad and that was the way it was. And like you saw everything on TV. So I, I get why you'd be, if indoctrinated is the wrong word, but you just learn from books and movies and TV shows, pop culture, like, oh, this is the way a dynamic is set up. But, yeah, I had the opportunity to see it differently from a very young age. So, yeah, I, I could see it going forward, just slowly all those kind of norms going out. Because, like, what does it really matter? You know, like, I, I've seen people get mad about, like, well, yeah, this little boy has dresses in his closet or this little girl was playing with trucks. I'm like, who the fuck cares, man? Like, is that seriously at the top of your list of shit to give a, a crap about today? <laughs> well, that's it. And I, I mean, I like the term toxic masculinity. That's something that's been coming up a lot, too, with breaking gender barriers is, like, men are expected to be a certain way in order to yeah. be considered masculine. And part of that is not even showing emotions. And you think... Is that really what we want to create for our children? Like the inability to express emotions because that is a feminine thing to do? Like that's. That's how you get a school shooter. Sorry. Yeah. Well, like it's the most ridiculous shit, too, that like there's what some kind of like, oh yeah, you can't go and get a, a drink, like a nice rum smoothie drink with an umbrella and like little pieces of fruit in it because that's not manly no fuck off it's delicious like oh i'm less of a man because i'm doing that no 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 <laughs> watch me <laughs> just that shit face at the end of the night anyways so <laughs> so what you were saying tim i think like about you saying you having experienced maybe uh, like an alternative to the status quo or stereotypical gender norms when growing up. And I think that is a lot of it is a matter of exposure. Like you don't know what you don't know. So we tend to fear the unfamiliar. If it's not something you've been exposed to, even the concept that, that the mother can be the breadwinner and that the father is the stay-at-home dad and that there's value in both of those roles regardless of which gender is performing those roles within a household, you know, like – if you haven't been exposed to any idea but the status quo, you don't know what you don't know, you know, yeah. then it really just comes down to a willingness to evolve. Like, do you want to be a shitty person and just your your discomfort or lack of familiarity with a concept 
you know, is, is mm-hmm. such a hurdle for you that you can only respond in anger and, you know, dismissal of it. Or do you want to be a relatively evolved person and say, well, this is new to me. You know, I'm, I maybe don't know how to navigate this or what's appropriate, but like, mm-hmm. am I, am I willing to come from a place of acceptance? Do I want to understand this or, like everything else, is it just easier that if it's not like me and it's not like the way I've been been taught or, you know what I mean, like instructed, indoctrinated, as you said, like, you know, it, I, I feel like a lot of people are quick to dismiss things because that there is definitely a current in society of, and I don't want to say conservative as if that's a political affiliation, separate from that, the word itself, as like this, this conserving, you know, the good old days. Make America great again. Yeah. Like when, remind me when that was, but you, like the first time around, right? But it's just this concept of like, you know, I feel like, I think we've had to talk about like the snowflakes and like I'm pretty sure I'm one of them, but we still throw them under the bus, right? This like the whiny yeah. generation. I feel like people attach it to like this, this entire call for um, respect for mental health, respect for sense of self, respect for self-discovery and encouraging people to self-discover and even to self-care, right? This entire movement for wellness receives a lot of criticism, I find, from people that like, you know, well, we've been bottling things up for centuries. Why do we got to talk about it now? Like, you know, it never killed your old grampy that he never, you know, like talked through his childhood abuses. Yeah, okay, but, like, generationally, what has that done to the, the family's ability to express and connect and, like, anyway, well, that was some the kind same of reason he was an alcoholic and came home and beat his children. Right, you know, <laughs> sorry, this took a, I'm sorry, I took a, re- a really far run on that, but I just feel like, you know, when you talk about exposure, I feel like that's literally it. The well, regional psychology is just over 100 years old, like, the study of... Psychology is just over 100 years old. Right. Before that, wow. we studied five. Yeah. But psychology, as we know it, was brought into like end 1800s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. to what we know now. And the movement is evolving at a really rapid pace because, like 50 years ago, experiments were still unethical. Mm-hmm. Like the question of eth- ethical testing, I mean, there's still lobotomies being practiced and like sexuality conversion going on in the world today but mm-hmm. psychology as we know it is just it's a baby compared to medicine medicine's always been there because mm-hmm. people always had a need to preserve health mm-hmm. physical health what you can see yeah and i think we've evolved in the way that now we can actually look at mental health and say it's a thing but it's still not a recognized thing it still takes months if you're using federal programs to get help before you can actually get help it's still like Psychology, mm-hmm. like seeing a psychologist, is really, really expensive. It's not covered by most medical health plans, mm-hmm. unless you have private insurance, and it's very limited compared to physical health. So it's still, it's a baby thing. Mental health is a very, very new thing mm-hmm. that right now I feel is really evolving. Like what I'm studying is 20 years old. You know, it's wow. maybe 25. And it's still like developing because mm-hmm. it's not recognized completely. Like, psychoeducation is, first of all, European and Quebecois. It's not taught in Ontario or in the rest of Canada. And it's very much, like, developing. Like, if I want to get a job in my field, it's recommended I get a master's in 
social work because psychoeducation is still not recognized enough for it to, like, I mean, it's very similar to social work, just a different approach, but I, it'd be harder to get a job in that field directly as opposed to social because it's still developing. Like, mm. it's, it's a baby compared to, to medicine. And because it's, it's amazing how far it's all come. Like, uh, we, we did the MK Ultra episode. Uh, what was the university in Montreal? Um, I forget the name of it. But, like, he was, uh, the, the doctor in charge was taking women that had, like, postpartum depression and people with minor, uh, problems and, uh, breaking them down, trying to strip them of their personality and stuff like that with full funding from the government of Canada and the U.S. And, like, horrific horrific things like he locked football helmets on their heads with uh, speakers to blast in uh negative reinforcement then positive reinforcement stuff and like strip it all away but you know like you that was a dark day but we've come even further from that and like just trying to help people but i remember my only my only experience so far was I was talking to not a therapist, but a counselor and uh, it was over the phone. And I think this was about uh, two years ago, but, and like, she was, she was nice. She was good, but you could tell she was not interested at all. Cause she'd be like cooking her dinner in the middle of telling me like, Oh yeah, your life's pretty messed up. Click, 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 click. <laughs> You're in the cutting board go. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. There's, there's, Orders like there's practitioners that have like you have to be a member of this association. But there's after that there's because um, one of our friends was telling us about that too. Then the online counseling and the person was like rude and unhelpful and like just made things feel a lot worse for him. Mm-hmm. But there's these companies who have people that are not certified that promote uh-huh. services that you have to pay for, but. They're probably not based in a place where you need a, a certification or to be part of an association. Like a life coach? Well, life coach or like online help that they don't call psychotherapy because they can't because legally they're not under an association, but can still offer help to people. Most people won't think yeah. to check if the person part of an association. Was this a legit service you were receiving? I thought so. It was through my my work, like the HR thing, but I'm sure it was like discount. She was she was a lovely person. She did a lot of like trying to help me, but uh, at the same time, she was just not interested. I think this was a job between jobs, like because uh, I would call her and she'd be like on her drive home from work or you know running her cat to the vet. <laughs> Where she starts to feel like a pretty big obligation when you're like, oh, no, I need help right now. Please help. (laughs) Oh, no, Mr. Mittens is just being loud in the background. Ignore it. Uh, Yeah, kind of like a lack of investment from her side. So how invested are you going to be motivated to be on your end, you know? But, But, I mean, too, speaking to, like, the professional industry of counseling, when we're talking about... Okay, mental health and, oh, by me new, mental health, you know, sort of having a day in, in the sun or coming to that point where, like, now we are allowed to have emotions and express them, some of us more liberally than others. But there's still, like, a wide range of mentalities within the professional industry of 
psychotherapy or psychiatry. Yeah. You know, because like myself personally, it's not like I haven't had conversations with folks in that line of work from like a varying degree of interest. You know, like I'm sure they were all well educated. They all had fancy papers in yeah. like good looking wooden frames on on the wall. But I mean, even within those people, yeah, they're they are educated in terms of like you know providing guidance and mental health. I guess I mean that's their that's their their field of work. But I think like we're only human, right? So even they come in with a certain prejudice because I can tell you, like I connected with some much better than others. And, you know, and I'd be willing to bet some of the ones that I connected with were less educated because they did happen to be younger, you know, so less experienced, but generationally maybe a little bit more in line with what, like, my demographic or close enough to my age group to understand sort of what's going on in our age group, right? Because, like, every generation has their own evolution, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. (laughs) She just wants it. Just give her. She wants the Velcro. She does. She wants the Velcro. Don't give her the Velcro. Okay, we're not giving her the Velcro. But you know what? <laughs> oh, never yeah, mind. we've come a long way since like you would hide mental illness or like if the family knew somebody was unwell, they would just never tell anybody. You know, it's not to say that we don't have a a long way to go. But uh, I guess before we night, tell everyone she died. Yeah. Uh, before we end tonight, um, I'm just trying to think if I have any last questions. Uh, Ellen, that was awesome. Thank you so much for the uh, tarot reading. Um, Logan, uh, I guess the last question I would have for you is, like, are there any questions that you're tired of hearing now? Like, the best way I can uh, phrase it is, I have a friend, he's six foot five, and whenever we go out, like, it could be at a grocery store, a bar, anywhere – Inevitably, somebody walks up to him and is like, oh, wow, you're very tall. How tall are you? Wow, you're tall. <laughs> like, is there any stuff that you're just, like, not bored of hearing but, like, f- done with uh, being asked at this point? Um, I can't speak for myself on that because I feel like I've made it my life mission to educate the uneducated. Mm-hmm. And that I've created myself a lot of patience in answering those questions that people feel are appropriate to ask. Yeah. Um, I know for for sure, though, someone with less patience or more dysphoria than me would probably not want to hear, oh, are you getting surgery? Because, yeah. first of all, there's five or six surgeries that are involved with gender reassignment. Yeah, which one? <laughs> and first, I think, like, what's in your pants is nobody's business. Like, I don't go around asking people, like, How's your vagina shaped or how big is your penis? Like, none of my business. So I think that's one question that people might want to refrain from asking because it is nobody's business. Um, I think that's the biggest one. I think aside from that. It sounds extremely reasonable. <laughs> why why, why would someone think they would have a right to ask what's in your pants? But I could see that happening. Well, it, it like, happens a lot. Are you sleeping lot. with me? No? Then it's none of your business. <laughs> well, that's it. And aside from that, people tend to be respectful. They'll ask, like, you know, like, are you supported? Yeah. How's your partner taking it? Or how are your family taking it? Or, you know, like, they'll say, I don't know much about that. How does the surgeries work? And I think 
any question could be reasonable if you're asking it not for your own curiosity. Like you're not not for entertainment. No, it's well, not. It's not for you know what I mean. Like if you want to educate yourself, that's one thing. If you just want to know what the other person is doing, that's another. So if before you ask a trans person or any person yeah. any question, ask yourself what is your intention. Do you are you trying to obtain information on that specific person's life? Are you trying to educate yourself? And if you're trying to educate yourself, formulate your question in that sense. Yeah. Don't be like, are you getting surgery? But like, I'm curious about that. Like, what kind of surgeries are involved in the transition process? You know, it's, it's about how you ask and what you want to like. There's why a difference between to... being nosy and trying to educate yourself. Like. Uh, Exactly. Mild curiosity, or do I want to know how you're doing? I one of the discussions I had, like the hardest discussions I had, was with my mother. Like everybody around me is very supportive. She's having a much harder time because she feels like she lost a daughter, and oh. she's having a hard time processing. And from the beginning, because I knew that was going to be an issue, I told her, "Can you please educate yourself before we talk? Like go and get some information before you have this conversation with me." Because you're coming from a place where, like, I know, I guess I wasn't that, that gentle. Yeah, gentle is a good word. Eloquent in my approach with her in saying that. But it was yeah. more so like, I don't need to answer all of your personal questions if you have zero understanding of what I'm about to go through. So, as my mother, please take the time to get a bit of information so we can start from something else than you thinking that you're, you're losing your, your own daughter, your only daughter, you know? Because to me, and like we were talking about dead naming earlier, yeah. I don't think dead name is the term I would use because I don't think I died. I don't think any part of me has died in this transition process. I think I stepped into who I am, which honestly came up for me like 14 years ago the first time. And I just tossed it aside thinking, nah, I got to accept myself as I am. Because back then, you couldn't even talk about transitioning. It wasn't a thing. But I, I didn't kill my old self. I'm not in denial that I ever was female and I don't feel bad about that. I think, honestly, if anything, and that's going to sound absolutely conceited, but I think that makes me like a hyperbreed of human because I understand fem female emotions, the fem female mm -hmm. body in a way that men typically cannot understand. I have the sensitivity and like, I was brought up a certain way because of my gender. So I am gentle and caring and attentive in a way that a lot of men have to work harder to be. Yeah. But it comes more naturally. And then I get, I will get, I'm getting to experience being a man in a different way. So I think like, I have, yeah, I can decide what kind of man I want to be and I'm not brought up a certain way because I'm old enough to make those decisions today. But I come with all the empathy and caring and loving and attention that women are typically brought up with. So I'm a hyperbreed. That's beautiful. A superhero. In a rude way, I can choose the size of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, a hyperbreed. <laughs> yeah, and I'm stuck with this tiny thing. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> There's add-ons for that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you guys so much for for joining me and talking. This is really, really wonderful. I had a great time. I really appreciate it. Um, before we leave, do you guys want to say your uh, 
uh, social media stuff just one more time, and then I'll make sure that uh, I get a nice clean cut of it. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you look Logan Reiki. Reiki R A I sorry R E I. Hard to spell in English. Um, and then you can also find me on Facebook. So it's just my name, Helen Letourneau uh, Masoteretti. And Kat, what's your stuff? KatrinaBeingKatrina.wordpress.com Perfect. All right, I'm going to stop the recording now. Bam. out of the room. Oh no, they're all right there. But they're all awake now. They're all awake now. Thank you. Ugh. It's in the bonfire. It's in the uh, fireplace now. Sent back to hell from whence it came. It just wanted to be your friend. Oh my goodness. Ooh, sorry. Please cut that out. <laughs> sorry. Mm. So I was saying the tarot carpet. Yeah. <laughs>